Up From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Cheers, man. All right, let's do this thing. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 109 of the show tonight. This is your host, Dave Swillam. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living creative full-time. So if you are new to the show here, this is where we interview musicians, creatives, entrepreneurs, and we talk about everything that goes into doing what you want to do creative for your living, alternative lives, just doing what you want to do instead of kind of what you think you have to do. So welcome, uh, Jeremiah Craig on tonight. So for those of you that don't know this gentleman right here, I, uh, am pretty pumped up to have connected with him, found out he's a Boston boy. So that goes big for me. And, uh, (laughs) if you don't know Jeremiah, he is a folk musician and he's got some really interesting pieces of how he writes and what he writes about that we'll dive into. He's also a YouTuber, and I was going to call him a cowboy boot expert, but I was informed to say enthusiast. But to me, (laughs) he's an expert because I don't know anything about cowboy boots. I've worn the same type of slip-on vans for like 14 years and just wear them out. I'm not cool enough yet for that. So maybe I'll figure... Figure we'll my way there. into this, man. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Jeremiah. Thanks for being on, man. Thanks for, for jumping in on this. Thank you, Dave. I'm so pumped to be here. Uh, it seems like you got a really cool thing going on here. And of course, I'm pumped that you're up here in the Northeast too. New England, baby. Let's go. Yep. Right? <laughs> a lot of listen. We've got listeners from around the country and, and, and blessed to have some people from around the world here, but we've got a ton a ton of New Englanders on here. So I, I always like to have another New Englander on here, you know, just so you know, I'm not born and bred New England. I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, Western New York, but that's what they like to say uh, where I'm from. It's Western New York, because uh, if you go anywhere out West, like past Mississippi, uh, Anything that is New York is the city. So you have to say upstate to say that you're not from the city. But then when you're from like New England or something, you can say Western New York. There's this whole thing. I didn't even know until like all the travels that I've been on. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. So Western New York doesn't mean that's what you have to say when you're in New England here for people to understand it. Or can you say upstate here too? I think think here you can say it, but the people in Western New York, get angry when you say upstate it's like a whole thing it, it they interesting if you say you're from upstate new york that's like albany or syracuse yeah uh, central new york i guess is syracuse but then rochester and buffalo that's western new york whoa so, yeah okay that i didn't know that's tech technically you you can you can piss off a lot of Western New Yorkers, if you say that you're from upstate New York or you say that they're from upstate New York, they don't like it. <laughs> Damn. Okay. You might have just saved me like an accidental bar fight or something that I wasn't prepared for. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I know the verbiage now. <laughs> That's legit, man. I mean, people are real about where they're at and where they're from. So I totally understand it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm lazy with it because I figure, you know, it's not New York City, so it's upstate. But uh, if yeah. you spend most of your time uh, in Western New York, then it's Western New York. Don't even mess around. Oh, it's a different thing. Don't don't be saying that. Right. <laughs> right on. Well, so Jeremiah, for people that don't know you on here, I know we've got a lot of awesome people on this chat here that uh, do know you, which is great. So thank you guys for being on in the live stream. But for people that don't know you, Jeremiah, you want to just run us through like you you have all these things that make you up. I think I was telling you before the show, I really enjoy interviewing and getting to know creatives that are, you know, you're a folk musician, you're a YouTuber, you're live streaming once a day. You are into these boots, which is super unique to me, especially up where we're at. It's just not the day-to-day life. And uh, we just have a lot to talk about here. Do you want to just run people through like, who's Jeremiah Craig? How did these things happen? How did all these things that you're juggling happen and make you up? Yeah, I can go through that. We might be here for a little bit. Uh, my name is Jeremiah Craig. I'm a singer-songwriter. I was raised in Geneseo, New York, which is a little bit uh, south of Rochester, New York. Basically, a country kid, you know, barefoot, sort of lifestyle childhood, you know, out back, hunting squirrels, doing my thing, like whatever. At 14, I started playing the banjo. A little bit later, like maybe 16, I started learning harmonica. And then around 17 or 18, I started playing the guitar. And around that time is when I first started writing songs too. So those first songs, if you're a songwriter, you know that the first songs that you've ever written are awful. So I like, <laughs> I wrote hundreds of songs and I actually released probably five albums that I just recorded with the microphone on my computer uh, of those horrible songs. And uh, they remain buried and <laughs> they don't see the light of day. Uh, but then I went to, to college and I put together a band and we went on tour. It was a great time. We made an album and an EP. And then when it was time to graduate, Everybody wanted to go and do their own thing, you know, the, what they went to school for and to get their degrees for. So I was like, okay, sure. well, I'm going to keep this going and I'm going to do marketing like what I went to school for, but I'm going to, you know, keep this going, keep this music thing and songwriting thing going in the background because this is what I want to do. So I released my first album in 2011 and then I was just writing and recording since then in uh, 2012. Moved out to Arizona with my wife, made a couple more albums or at least one more, and then moved up to Seattle and went like full time with music. Tried it, went on five tours, and Dang, man. Dang. it didn't work. Like I couldn't make enough money; it wasn't sustainable. So then I had to go back and do music again. And throughout this whole time, like I'm wearing cowboy boots, love cowboy boots. Didn't think anybody would ever care that I love them. Okay. So in 2018, I started making videos about cowboy boots and uh, there I found awesome people online who felt the same way that I did and just were like, cowboy boots are awesome. Like there's no other footwear that are as durable and as good looking as cowboy boots. And uh, let's just all get together and have a good time. And everybody seems to be digging the music that I'm making now. So 
we're just we're just having a great great old time talking about cowboy boots and uh playing music it's just it's just a lot of fun now on youtube and instagram and facebook and everywhere else so i'm having dang. a blast dang man yeah that sounds like a blast and i love like the spirit to all this where you were just like a like i i firmly believe done is better than perfect like i firmly believe in that for creatives get out the hundred songs you know what i mean if it's recorded on the the computer like I'm an audio engineer. For me to say that, it's like, it hurts my soul a little bit when I hear that. But like, I would root for that person and I want them to do that any day of the the week over not releasing a song and not not putting it out there and not keeping at it. So I love the spirit of like, I'm going to just write these songs. I'm just going to get them out. And then I totally appreciate and understand like you're going on tour and then you kind of have to reset and then like reground again on kind of like the income from this. Because a lot of the things that we talk about on the show is how to sustain your creative life off of an income because you can't be creative for your life without getting an income from that creative or else you're going to have to do other stuff. It's going to take time away from it. So I get it. I, when I first got out of college, just had a Jeep that was catching on fire. I tried to do audio engineering full time with zero money, zero anything. And I failed at it because I had no money, dude. So like, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't like, get anything done, but I had the fire where I like, you're like, Hey, I'm going to go on five tours. I'm just going to get it. And like you have the fire and then it's just like, okay, well, if you're not getting the money yet, you reset and then like reground things and then you'll get it. You'll get it and you'll get a setup that works right for it. And you'll get the money at the right time. But sometimes it's just not right away, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's trial and error, right? You, you learn from, having that Jeep that's on fire and then you, you reset and, you know, figure something out in the future. So it's, uh, it's, it's going well. I'm having a blast with everybody, everybody who is on right now or listening afterwards, who, who digs the music, who digs the cowboy boots. I just, I just love everything about being there for them and uh, them being there for me. It's such, it's such an incredible experience. Yeah, man. I mean, that like community is everything, especially around the things that we're passionate about. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So what, you know, it sounded like you moved around quite a bit there. What ended up bringing you to those places? What brought you over to Boston? What brought us to Boston was that I'm not a West Coast kid. I didn't, I didn't really like Seattle. I liked Arizona, but the coast is is just not for me. So after talking about it with my wife, we decided to move back closer to home, you know, where we grew up cuz she's from real upstate New York in Schenectady, mm-hmm. Albany. So All right. So is there like a just, rivalry with that in-house? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing like that. There's no I don't think there's any Rochester Albany rivalries unless you're talking like AAA baseball. But, okay. Hey, <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> but we decided to come back east and we were going to, you know, live someplace in New York State. But uh, then she got a job offer that she couldn't refuse. And I'm like, we might as well just try it out and uh, live in Boston. And, you know, I dig it. I like Boston. You know, I don't mind it at all. Right here next to the Arnold Arboretum in, in Roslindale. So 
we got a good spot, got the, got some good places to go where I can live stream in the morning with coffee and music. So it's been fun. I enjoy it. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like a spirit that like I like over and over again, like I have a lot of friends in New York City and LA doing audio and music in Nashville, of course. Mm-hmm. And I've been to all those cities and I love all those cities for different pieces of those industries. And people try to get me out and drag me out into those places like nonstop. At the end of the day, there's just like this gritty saltiness of New England. I'm supposed to be here and be like really happy and positive, but also like kind of a little pissy all the time. I'm supposed to have that like salt, man. I just have it in my blood. And no matter how far, you know, how hard I try to get to these other places, I'm just supposed to be around here, just like doing music here and be a little, you know, in Maine, it's, it gets, it gets, I, I tell people Maine feels more like Tennessee to me than it does like the rest of New England. It's really weird up here. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm super in love with it, but it's like, it's definitely the place for me to be at. So places no have doubt. a big influence on what you make and what you do, I feel. For real. And you couldn't have said it any better. I, I completely agree. Gritty saltiness. It's, it is that exactly. And that's what I like about the, just the East Coast in general or the Northeast, because you get some of that uh, where I'm from, too. It's like it's gritty. It's a little bit salty. Like it's not as salty as Boston. Cause people can get pretty salty oh, yeah, um, when you're driving around here, for sure. But uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> like earlier, three hours ago, I was sitting in that, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do, I do like the the gritty saltiness. It's like you 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 always know where where everybody stands. You know, you you don't you're right not away. curious about, "Oh, I wonder what that person thinks of me because they already let you knew. Yeah. Uh, they already let you know before you even were curious about it." You're like looking at them and you're like, "Hey, I wonder what that guy thinks of me." He's like, "I hate you." And you're like, "Great. <laughs> All right, this guy hates me." You know? <laughs> Whereas like when I'm down in Tennessee, people can like ma'am and, and uh, ma'am me to death. And sometimes they are uh, not ma'am me, but like ma'am and sir, you know, and like sometimes they are proper and they are literally the most ridiculously nice person on the planet. But sometimes they really don't like you and they're just being polite, which is also like a good trait. But it's just, mm-hmm. and I'm just used to this form of communication where it's like people here are still going to help people out. Like if you're, uh, the way I explain it to people who have never been here is like if your car's broken down, someone's always going to pull over and come try to help you out, but they're going to shit on you for it. They're going to be like, exactly. you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like, they're not mean where they're like, just not going to help you. They're like, no, I've got your back, man. Don't, don't worry about it. I'm always going to help you out. But they're like, you're an idiot for not having spare tires. And you're like, the hell, dude? are you helping me? Are we good? Or we're not good? Or like, I guess I don't understand. That's like how it is here. But yep. It's like that yeah. busting balls that I grew up with. It just, it's just as natural. I completely agree. I know what you're talking about. It's there. And that's what but I any love people on the live stream of the show. I love my Southern folk too. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just a new England boy through and through, you know, that's it. So, uh, tell me about the boots, man, because like I saw your stuff on the, the cowboy boots. I know that you said you were wearing them just the whole time, but, uh, how did this stuff start in like 2018? And like, what does that mean as like part of your world right now? Do you mean, how did it, how did it start by me sharing everything? I guess like cowboy boots is like a big piece of your day to day and like your culture. Like how did, I know you started making videos in 2018 and and you kind of just caught people that wanted to be a part of that. But like, how did this kind of unfold into being a big piece of what you're up to and what does it mean to you right now? What do you, what do you do with these day to day? It means 
it means everything to me because that's where so many connections come from. I meet new people every day. People message me either to just ask questions about cowboy boots or uh, they want to, you know, either just thank me for getting them back into it uh, because they'd been out of it for years and they came across my content. It's crazy. It, it makes me feel so good to to help people and to um, to talk with people with similar interests. But I got into it because I was looking for a way to sort of share my music, to build something new. And I was working at marketing agencies. Part of what I did at marketing agencies was, was put together content plans, just like I do for YouTube now, but, but for other businesses, for brands. Right. And I, w- I put together these content plans and sometimes the agency would want me to put together plans that were really, really cheap so that they could make as much money as they w- could off of them, of course. So all of these plans that I would make surrounding video and things like that would get really, really cheap and they would always send them back for one reason or another. I think it had to do with insecurity because people are always very sec- insecure about putting themselves out there. Um, So finally, I I was in a good enough position where I could say, well, I'm going to try this plan on myself. So what I did was I started doing the keyword research and everything like I would do for other companies, except I did it with my own interests. And Mm. Cowboy Boots was the biggest gap in how many people were searching for information on Cowboy Boots. And how much content was actually available on the internet. Right. So I started just making the videos and uh, it started, it started clicking. Uh, people started finding, people started, you know, following and subscribing and, you know, getting interested in my music and live streams. And I guess uh, my personality and I've just been making more and more and more and more and more and more content as much content as possible. I, I always tell people, like, uh, if they say, you know, I, I, I didn't catch that video, I'm behind on your videos. I always tell people that it's, it's my goal for people to always be behind. Yeah. Uh, because that means, you know, if, if, if you guys want to, uh, you know, binge or anything, there's always something. I want there to be, always be something for somebody who wants more. So, right. um, that's, uh, that's, that's just something that I've put into my plan now. And I'm up to four videos a week, one live stream on Monday, two cowboy boot videos, and then one music video. And then I do sprints at different parts of the year where I'll do a video every single day. Like I did that in December and I have a oh sprint coming up in July where I will, I will have a video out every single day. And then I'll do that again in December again because that coincides with a bump in the data that shows that more people are interested in boots during those times. Interesting. Why, why do you feel that that is December for like Christmas shopping in July for summer and summer in July 4th sales? Wow. Huh? Yep. That's crazy. So where did you draw those analytics from just the web looking Google. up like when are people at this thing? Yeah. What are they, so what are they about it? You go to Google trends and you put in any search term and they'll give you as much data as they have in the past. And you can see the peaks and waves historically. And 
historically, cowboy boots see a little peak in July and then always a huge bump in December and November. That's crazy, man. That's the that's the stuff that's really crazy. And your YouTube channel is like, aren't you at like 15,000 subscribers? Like you're crushing it. Yes, thank you. Right? Three years, yeah. man. That's, that's nuts. That's huge. It's been a blast. I'm so grateful for everybody who is uh, is picking up what I'm putting down. For people that are getting into, I mean, definitely artists, like what I love about your your thing is like, all these are pieces of you. Like the cowboy boots, you've always worn them and you you write folk music and like you're just taking that and it's all baked into like who you are and you have your own personality. So like all these things are just like your culture and it's just formed around the things that you do. So I love that like you are being you is what I feel from that message. What would you say, Jeremiah, to people who want to start a YouTube channel? Because like I myself as a content creator, I feel like every stage it's like getting past releasing that stuff. Like you said earlier, it's really self-conscious. It's hard to get past this stuff. What would you say for people out there that are just starting a YouTube channel or maybe have a YouTube channel and it hasn't like kicked off as well as it should? What's some advice that you have for like some of the success that you've had for for them of like how to get a YouTube channel rocking or, or things that you found that they might not know. Yeah, I can share that. Cause you know, people ask me this every so often too, cause they want to start their own boot channels and I'm just like, make as much content as possible and don't judge what you make right off the bat. Like, mm-hmm. like I was, ta- like we were talking about with the songwriting earlier, right? You got to write, you got to make the stuff in order to get better at it. The thing is with songwriting is that you can bury those hundreds of songs before, you know, you actually have that one song that's good. You can do that with videos and stuff. You can't really do that because you need to see how people react to it. And if you, if you keep doing it and testing the algorithms, testing the titles that you use, testing the way that you record, the the way that you edit, there's so much, I feel like there's so much more little, little things Maybe not. Maybe it's just different. But with videos, it's it's just different with the storytelling that it's all trial and error. And you pro- progressively get better is, is basically what I'm trying to say. By making. By making. Exactly. By doing. Yeah. You, you, can't be, you, you can't be Logan Paul right out the gate. It's not going to happen. So you got you to gotta work up. You're not going to be Mr. Beast right from the get-go. I mean, even Mr. Beast had those crappy videos at the beginning, but he made it and was successful because he made so much content. That's what it's about. You have to make a ridiculous amount of content in order to get better at it. Ridiculous. Like whatever you think is ridiculous, you have to do even more than that. Like I'm not (laughs) even satisfied with doing a video every single day. I should be doing two videos every single day. Or something like that. I should have another channel. Like, what is wrong with me? So it's <laughs> it never a, enough. It's a beast. It's a beast out there, man. It is like, it's uncomprehendable what type of beast the internet is for like the size of that is so far past our ability to even comprehend what the internet even is. The internet's young. We forget mm-hmm. about that all the time. The internet and all this content and all these platforms that we're on right now all this is young, dude. Totally. So young. So like when people are telling me, they're like, Oh, I don't want to start a YouTube channel. Cause there's like already like a billion audio. I don't want to start a podcast because a million audio. I don't want to start these things to your point of like, just do, do, do and do more. It's like, 
the internet is young and all of these mm-hmm. platforms are young versus what they are going to be in the future. This is media for the future. And people will look back at these archives, especially on topics where like, think about these cowboy boots, right? One thing that people love probably about cowboy boots is some of that thing that's been around in our history and in our culture for such a long period of time. And they identify with that to think that like certain models or types of boots or things like that 50 years from now isn't relevant that we're not going to still be consuming videos and understandings on it the same way. It's like, of course we are. Yep. You know what I mean? Of course that's relevant. Of course, like talking about like being on content, fighting like that piece where you get a little self-conscious on it. People are always going to be self-conscious about the creative that they put out. It's always going to be that way. So this mm-hmm. content, it's like, to your point, man, I, I totally feel that. And I love like what you're saying about like, when you think it's ridiculous, you have to be thinking another ridiculousness past what that is. Because like, I'm like me and my wife right now, it's like I podcast weekly. We have a YouTube channel that comes, a YouTube show that comes out bi-weekly, which is nowhere near your thing on that. I live stream weekly. I have like uh, uh, Instagram that I'm posting weekly, TikTok like once a week. And it's just like all of that. You're like, man, I wish I could just do this every day. And then when you do it every day, you're like, damn, I wish I could do this twice a day. And it's just because it's like the internet is a giant, giant thing. And it you just toss as much as you possibly can in it. That's all you can do past that, man. It's just like the, the, the answer is always going to be more. And it's just like whether you're willing or able to do that, it's like nothing else you can do about it, right? 100%. And there'll be people who say there are enough freaking podcasts. There aren't. There aren't enough freaking podcasts. There aren't enough YouTube channels. There's There seriously is not enough until everybody has their own thing. Like, why not? Why the hell not? Yeah. And like every person is their own person where like you, your own, you are your own person, Jeremiah. And it's like, there could be another person. I, I haven't found one, but if there could be another person that is a folk writer, cowboy boot person, YouTuber, there could be another person out there, but it's like, but they're not Jeremiah though. You have your exactly. own attitude flair and things that you've been through and been a part of that make you the way that you are to make that content that's different than someone else that they may or may not like. So even literally the exact same thing, if you could ever find that, which is so rare with people because we're so complex, found the exact same thing with the exact same amount of episodes, it's still valuable to have that out there because there's different people that will identify with different people. Exactly. 100%. I, I think about that all the time because some people message me or talk to me and be like, hey, this person is doing a cowboy boot videos too. Aren't you, aren't you mad that they're copying you? And I'm like, they're not copying me. Who, 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 who do you think I came? I didn't come up with all of these ideas. Like I'm copying the person who came before me. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. I, I'm, I'm completely 100% supportive of anybody who wants to make a cowboy boot channel on YouTube. I will, I'll even, you know, do a shout out. I'll be on their channel. I'll do like, I'll, I'll be there to help them build their thing too, because, uh, I'm not them and they're not me. So they have a complete, a complete niche in and of themselves. So, um, and there needs to be more perspectives on every single thing that there is. So, I'm all for it. I'm all for supporting anybody who wants to do this. Yeah, I love that. There was like, I had a brewery on, on the show very early in, like the first 10 episodes, I had a brewery on. And I remember 
it was in a section of New Hampshire where there were a lot of breweries being built at the same time. And there's a brewery like next door put in that's like popping, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're doing good, like next door. And I think I just threw it out there because I just wanted to like feel his vibe out and just be like, well, how do you feel about that competition? And he's like, what competition? And the reason being is because, okay, now there's 10 breweries on one street, right? So like you would think that that would be a big problem because you'd be like, damn, how many, you know, how many beer, how many beers can someone possibly buy and take in? But because there's more breweries, more people come to that strip because they're like, that's a brewery strip. If I go to that strip, I can go hang out at breweries all day and whatever. So there's no competition. It's, it helps them to have it just like you. If more people are in the craft of it, they're like, I don't know. My voice is cracking like a beast, man. I've, I've gone way past puberty. I'm cracking. <laughs> I'm excited. That's how I'm excited for you, man. But it's like, if you have more people with cowboy boot channels, more people come back in or stick with that culture or art of picking out those boots and, and feeling that and having it be a part of their person. Then guess what? Cowboy boots keep going, keep getting stronger and more people get into it. It's like, it's exactly. all good. It's all good exactly. to do that. Totally. What do they call that? The, they have a saying, the high tide rises all ships. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. That's what it is. And I'm all for uh, cowboy boots becoming more popular. Everybody in the world should have a pair. I'm all for it. So let's Man. go. Man, maybe I need to consider this stuff, huh? Yeah, we'll go boot shopping. All right. <laughs> I would be down for that. There's a place, there's a place in Spofford, New Hampshire. That's uh that's really cool. I've been there. I did a couple of videos there. Uh you'll like it. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm renovating a farm, an 1850s farm up here in Maine into a recording studio and like an artist getaway. And it's pretty country here, man. I I'm uh oftentimes when I'm bringing my dog out to go to the bathroom at like midnight, I'm I'm very frequently attacked by wildlife. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm living that life out here. I could do for some boots, you know? Nice. There's probably some good places in Maine that I need to check out too. So I'm to all be, about man. making that trip. Have to be. I'll, I'll find them for you. I'll, I'll nice. tell you if I find any. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, not to pivot too hard here, but for your music portion, I want to definitely get into, I know you're releasing a record tomorrow and already like the, the title of your album, I'm like really pumped on, but just uh, like when I was telling people in the beginning, the next level of like, okay, a, a folk, folk writer, like we know that that's out there. But what I really liked about some of the ideas that you were coming up with, I saw on your website, like this balladeer vibe on there. Can you tell me a little bit about like, like, it sounds like from my understanding that you're writing off of these ideas of old folk ballads. Is that what's happening? Like, tell me about your, your process and like why you have this, this, this working and kind of like how these, these work that way. Cause that's really interesting to me. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. I love ballads, folk music. Even when I was growing up before I could even play the banjo, the songs that I sang the most just to myself around the property, around the house, they would be ballads, like children's ballads. Like, you know, the cat came back, right? Um, or Dunderback's machine, where he's like making all these sausages of the uh, cats and the rats and stuff. So like those kinds of songs really intrigued me because they were so weird and they told a story. So I started wanting to write those songs when I, when I started writing songs. And of course... Uh, being a folk artist, I'm really into Dylan. 
Uh, I like Jethro Tull and also so many bluegrass artists. There's lots of ballads in bluegrass, especially murder ballads. So those are the types of songs that uh, resonate with me just because there's so much human about them, right? Mm. And that's what I enjoy about telling stories. And I like the complexity of ballads. And I try to try to write that because songs that, that aren't ballads, that don't tell stories, they're just like some feeling. And Ariana Grande can sing amazingly, but a lot of times her, her songs are just, are just kind of boring. Like if, you, if somebody else sang them, then they'd be boring. Right. I want to write the kinds of songs that are entertaining if you can't sing and can't play. As long as you can get the story across, that's all that matters, which is what all of these old songs like The Cat Came Back and Dutterback Machine is all about, right? Because everybody sings those ones when they're growing up, but they can't hold a tune worth a good goddamn. So yeah. those are the kinds of songs that I absolutely love. And I can't get enough of writing those songs. Every album that I've done has mostly those, those story songs, those ballads in them. Sure. Yeah. I love, uh, I love a couple things that you brought up. Like, first of all, Ariana Grande, like I, as an audio engineer, I will listen to records that are not a music that I enjoy for the music. It's like, there's very different pieces of my mind that allow me to listen to different things in very different ways. But it's like, I can put an Ariana Grande record on and I'll listen to it all day. Like Mm -hmm. I will bump it. You know what I mean? I'll bump it in my car. And people, and but my wife hates her, hates really? it, doesn't hate her as a person, just absolutely hates her music. Oh, yeah. My wife and I are like from like a, a metal background. We were going to like Slipknot shows when we were young. And so we've branched out into tons of different stuff. But like she stayed a lot more in that world than I have as a producer. I'm working with people daily that kind of like shake me up a lot and get me into different stuff. And I'll, I'll taste test a lot more. But my point being is like, I feel you entirely in terms of like the content like when i'm listening to an ariana grande record i like don't even almost listen to the words like at all i'm just trying to figure out like a her singing is ridiculous how does she even hit those notes no one can say anything about (laughs) that at all and b the production is ridiculous and like Mm -hmm. i'm always like i'll listen to the record like over and over and over again And I'm trying to listen for and figure out like all these little things that someone behind the scenes put together with her or for her to make these sounds. And there's little tiny sound like way out in left field that like you hear added and you're like, why did someone think to put that in there? It's just like, it's just layers and layers of like really creative choices and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. it's, but I 100% agree with you where it's like, I'm a weirdo. You know what I mean? Like not everyone's going to want to listen to a record to like hear production it's very infrequent that people are listening for production in fact like when we're going back to like those computer songs if you have a computer song you know computer being like recorded on your computer microphone like maybe it's not great it's distorted it's like messed up but it's like if you have a a a song that's recorded that way but it connects with someone on a human level for the way that it hits them total like total different game man people will listen to that song on their phone for years if you never re-recorded in any other way if that hits someone in that way, they're going to listen to the song anyway, because it's not really about all these other things that it can be about. It's just really about on the human level, how do we connect with it? That's what 
makes music music. That's why people either go to a live show or that's why when they're in their car and they're playing something, it's because either it like is giving them a vibe that they are feeling right now or want to feel. And like anywhere they're at, it's like we use music to kind of like set up the vibe of like what's happening. Like if I'm barbecuing, I'm listening to something really different than when I'm on the gym or when I'm like in the city going out for the night or like whatever, it's all going to be different songs. And uh, all of it though, are songs that even if they're different genres, every single one of them have most likely connected with me on a human level for me in some capacity to relate that to like that moment. You have to like, why is this attached to that? So I love that you're writing like specifically aiming to like, how do I make a story something that uh, people are going to read through it when they're listening? That's really cool. And, and that's my goal. I don't always hit it. Of course, as as musicians never do always hit it. Um, but I feel like I I feel like there is one song that is always getting requests on this album that did hit it, and that would be one shot. One shot I think hit it on on this album. It's a song about uh in in the old west, apparently, you used to be able to trade a forty five caliber bullet and it had to be a forty five caliber bullet for a just because it was the most popular round, you could trade a 45 caliber bullet for a shot of whiskey. Really? That's what they say. A lot of other people say that it's not true, but it doesn't matter because it's just for the story's sake, right? So uh, it's a, it was a good enough story. Uh, it, I, I loved the story. Uh, it came from my godfather, and that, even, that made me had to write it even more. Wow. So... I use the characters from Tombstone. It's told from the perspective of Doc Holliday. You know, all five guys in the crew walk into the bar after, after you know, being on the trail forever. And they don't have any money, of course, but they got their bullets. So Doc Holliday trades five of his six bullets for uh, shots for everybody, right? Wow, he's got so one bullet left. One bullet left for the trouble that happens after that. <laughs> And I, it's awesome, a fun man. one. It's a fun I, one. I would believe that story. Right? I it's believable would. enough. <laughs> I would believe it. I would. In that time, like, I think it was, like, probably loose enough that, like, there's still, like, there's still bartering happening now. But I bet you, uh, I don't know. I could see that totally. Yeah, when there were still territories and there were no, like, real currencies. It was all gold and silver. Yeah. I, I bet you. I bet you it happened at least once or twice. It's, it's happening somewhere. <laughs> somewhere i would i would trade it right now i'd do that trade Depends if it was bad bourbon and like i was like i mean think about it right now it's worth a lot that ammo is expensive right now man I yeah would, right i'll trade some i'll trade some bourbon to people who want to give me some 45s out there come on <laughs> let's go let's do it man let's trade it up people who are watching let's trade it. <laughs> yeah yeah so Tell me, let's let's talk about this record. It's coming out tomorrow. I'm 100% going to listen to it tomorrow, and I'll I'll hit you back. But uh, I love the name on the the album. Can you what what's this record about tomorrow? And 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 how did the idea for this come up? The the name from the album actually comes from the song One Shot. So in the second verse, uh, Doc Holliday is considering trading his five bullets and having one left so that his crew can have shots. And he's like, screw it. Life's for taking chances. So he does it and then he trades it and then they all get their drinks. 
Um, but it kind of goes along with the rest of the songs that are on there because a lot of them have to do with stories about taking chances. The first mm. song off the bat is called What's After. And that's, I feel like that is the best way to start off that album because it's about a person who just went through something horrible, uh, a life-changing event, and they're wondering what comes after that. Mm. And in the middle of the song, they have a click, like a realization. And that's when the, com- when the song completely changes. And they say it's the same what's after as it was before. Like everybody has had some struggle and has had to go on and, you know, continue with life because it's life. So, uh, it, it, it sets it up. And the rest of the album has songs like that where there is some sort of, chance being taken uh sometimes it's for good and sometimes it's for bad so there is a song on the album where a gambler doesn't pay a loan shark back and uh that loan shark has uh has is has a lot of enthusiasm for cigars he has two cigar cutters one for his favorite brand of cigars which is the romeo e julietas and the other cigar cutter for the fingers of the people who don't pay him back. So Damn, it, goes, man. it goes both ways on this album. Wow. What was the, can you repeat the name of the, the album again? Life's for, Life is for Taking Chances. I love that title. Thank I love you. that title when, when it comes to like, I don't know, I, I have like a clothing line and like coming out in a couple months. Nice. That, that a lot of it is about, um, just stuff that people can wear, like just like very much like the boots, man. Like when you wear those boots, there's a certain amount of like confidence or attitude or like vibe that you, when you're slipping that boot on, it means something to you. And it means something about your day and the way that you wear that through your day, that means something, right? 100%. And, and that's why like I, I totally like totally vibe with like, uh, with clothing, with uh, <laughs> the reason why I'm making it is because like my wife always makes fun of me when she tells people like when we're getting ready, you know, you know, like your typical, you know, your typical, uh, you know, dude, get ready time or something like people be like expecting uh, the guy to get dressed in five minutes. Well, I'll, I'll out shoot my my wife. She'll be like ready to go. And I'll be like trying to match shoes or like do something with, uh, you know, trying to figure my way through like it mat. Like I'm really focused on clothing for some reason, but I've never done anything like that. And like, I'll just, I'll do that, all that stuff, but I'll still go out and I'll, I'll do shooting or I'll spend five hours in a crawl space working on something. It's just like, it's just, I'm a, I'm a weird dude, but like on my clothing, a lot of times, uh, it's saying something about like one life. Like I'm, I'm really about like not messing around at all with like how long we have. And it's like, it's like pretty amazing. That's like 5,200 weeks or something that we're alive. And when you start thinking about stuff like that, it's just like, holy shit, like life is for taking chances. Like that idea of your album, I really just resonate with that. I think that uh, like these little stories and antidotes about people doing things like that in different times, I think people are very cyclical with the way that they work and they are doing stories like this in modern day too. It's just a different thing that they're taking a chance on maybe and that life is for taking chances. I think like we don't have a ridiculously long amount of time to live. And uh, I'm super passionate about waking up every day and hitting that shit hard, dude. Yeah, me too. If that's why I'm so passionate about everything that I do too. Like 
this is this is my only chance. I could die tomorrow. Who yeah. knows? Hundred like, percent. I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't want to die tomorrow. I'm not aiming live, for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to live till I'm 130 years old. I got way too much stuff to make. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, it could happen tomorrow, and if it does happen tomorrow, I want. I don't want any regrets at all. And if yes. I did die tomorrow, I would have no regrets. So that's oh that's God. what life life is for taking chances is 100 percent living every day so that you have no regrets. Wow, man. So that's 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 my thing every day. I don't want to have any regrets ever, and I don't like that's 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 my thing. If there's any any hesitation for me to do something, like so a lot of times I'll hesitate on a song or releasing mm. that song or. Uh, a piece of content like oh this content is stupid this video is stupid this song is stupid nobody's gonna care and i'm like screw it if nobody cares nobody cares just get it out and then like but then i gotta deal with the controversy of it all well screw it like you gotta deal with the controversy anyways because controversy is everywhere online it's called social media so it's like you might as well just get it out and and then that way you don't wonder and wondering is the worst um it's, it's the made worst up. part of it all. Yeah. It's not real because mm-hmm. you're not judging it off of anything. You're just like assuming what something could or cannot be or what people think. Exactly. And, I uh, wonder if I, if I released that album five years ago, I wonder if I put that video out, what would have happened? That would have, should have, could have can kill you. Dangerous. It's the man. worst. So I don't want to live like that. Life is for taking chances. hundred percent. And like for those out there, it's like, if you are experiencing controversy, we've said it a bunch on this show uh, by now, but it's just like, if you're experiencing controversy on your stuff, like people are like, hey, I fucking hate your stuff. And you're like, damn, like, th- I'm not going to say that that doesn't feel bad. I'm just saying that like, if you're getting that, that's actually good because if people like are like super not cool with you, there's probably a crew that's super cool with you too. Like people are very polarized. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's not a lot of people that are like, in the middle of like, yeah, I'll like take the time to like watch this guy's YouTube videos like once a day, but like, I don't know if I like him or not. It's like, no, if you watch a video every day, you probably like that shit. It's like yep. people are polarizing. So if people are leaving comments on your stuff or they're like, I hate your record or I don't like your boots or I don't like your YouTube channel, it's like, well, there's a bunch of people that do though. If you're getting controversy, that's probably a good thing. If you get nothing like crickets on both sides, that's not good. Right. Like then that you means something's not working up, you know? Yeah. Yep. And also it it's it's that's what people are insecure about is releasing content and people saying that they hate it. And people don't people don't want that negative reaction. It sucks. I don't I don't want that negative reaction. Of course I don't. It sucks. But it's it's uh it's something that's gonna happen no matter what. And if somebody has the time to watch your thing to then leave a comment, to take the extra time to leave a comment that yeah. they don't like it, it means that they're in a worse place than you are yes. after you release the stuff. So, so true. It's like, why? Why? I, it, it, sometimes I do get hung up on it, but then I just have to, you know, really take a step back and say, well, you know, uh, they, they must not have anything else going on that's interesting enough for them. So yep. I'm just going to keep plugging away. Yeah, that's so well said, Jeremiah. It's like, if someone's taking the time to watch your content, then hate on you. I don't have time for that, man. I'm a happy right? ass guy. 
I have no time to watch anything that I don't care about. I don't want to do that. I've got stuff that I want to do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If you got the time to see something that you actually don't like and then tell that person that you don't like it, it's like, what the hell, man? Like, go do something. What, what's up? And, and it just means that someone's probably in a worse spot and it sucks. You know, I feel yeah. bad. Like, I, I don't want them to feel that way. I don't want them to have to fill it by, by uh, doing that because I don't have to do that. And it feels really good to not do that. So. Yeah. And I have to be reminded about that every once in a while. Like my, uh, the other day, my moderators of my Facebook boot group had to remind me, you know, this is, he might've just been drunk. So just, just give him another chance. <laughs> <laughs> and if so, good for him, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's so true. And, and, and like, like I said, like, you're totally right. It's not to say that that's not going to hit like anyone out there that gets those comments. It's not like I sit there and I'm like, Oh, I'm cool with that. It's like, you do sometimes see it and you're like, man, I feel bad now. But like, that's just the way to get past it. It's just like, it's going to happen. And, and if you're getting it, it means that you're probably doing something really cool and, and great and you should keep doing it. So 100%. Yeah. So really quick, we're getting into a spot here that I'm going to ask you some questions to cap this thing out soon. But I wanted to talk about uh, before the show, you talked about for the record that these songs on this record coming out tomorrow have come from over time and they were either songs that like didn't fit on certain records at that time or something like that, mm-hmm. or they were made in like different intervals of your life over mm-hmm. like an eight or 10 year period. Can you talk to me a little bit about like, you know, that is something that I myself, I find it extremely difficult when I've written things like eight or 10 years ago, I'm, I'm a different person than last year, every year, especially 10 years ago. it's like, if I met that person, I don't know if I'd be cool with them or not. Like different people. Right. That's crazy to take that creative that you wrote from different experiences over that length of time and put into one record. Can you talk through like some of your thought process on that? And like, what went into that decision? How did this fit together to be this? Like, why did this record come up that way? Like what, what's behind some of those decisions? Cause that is hard and those, and it's really hard to, uh, to not put a song out. It's also really hard to put a song out. That's that old and, and uh, be like, yeah, this is still me. And this is why it's different. I think part of why I know what you mean. Uh, I want to cut myself off there. I know exactly what you mean because we are in different emotional states Mm. in different times of our life. When we want to express ourselves artistically. Right. Um, Right. And, And that happens so frequently where we'll come across a song or a complete album from an artist that is all about the same thing, right? I mean, Blood on the Tracks is a great example from Dylan. Uh, so this album that I made is from eight years of just extra songs that I had. And I think part of the reason why I'm able to do that is because they're stories. Like, I, I don't really have any real emotional connection to them, except for maybe a few um, that isn't going to go away because like one song is about my wife. So, I mean, that's not going to go away ever. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it was, they're all stories and those feelings don't go away because they're stories. I think the oldest song on the album is one for my Romeo and Julietas, which is that, that song about the, um, lone shark. I wrote that in 2013 when I was working on an EP about, love and adventure. It, it didn't fit, right? Uh, a random song about 
uh, a loan shark cutting people's fingers off isn't gonna isn't gonna work. So yeah. that one hit the hit the back burner for a really really long time, along with other songs. Like I wrote another song in 2014 or 15 that was actually for somebody else. So uh, uh, one of my friends from college was given a go at being an agent for a musician in L.A. And I wrote a song for her in her sort of style, like that could be translated to the piano really well. Awesome. Uh, she never used it. I never saw anything from her. He went his his own way, like the agent thing didn't work for him. So I just had this song and it was it, it fit the fit the chances sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, that fit. So and and then like last year, I wrote a song about uh, a gang of thieves up here in New England. Maybe you heard about the Nightcrawler crew who was breaking into all of the uh, gas stations and corner stores and things in really elaborate ways. Like no. uh, the, using using uh, power tools to, you know, take apart the skylights and then go through and then crawl across the floor. So they didn't set, in, set any of the um, motion detectors off. So wow. they, like, And then they would just steal cigarettes and then get, get out of there. It's kind of like what? they were practice. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, yeah, cigarettes. All right. To be fair, cigarettes are ridiculously expensive. So those probably were like $14 a pack if they were in New England. They probably did sell them a lot for on the black market, but they didn't touch any of the money that was in the register or anything. That's a lot of effort for cigarettes, man. I think that they were, that's why I was saying, that's why I think that they were practicing for bigger scores. So that's what the song is about. Um, and, uh, it's just like random stuff like that. Uh, that just seemed to fit over the years. Uh, they just fit together. And finally, I, I found the right fit for them. And I tried to make the album sound similar. Um, one of the problems that I had on the album that I made in 2018 is that I made it a month at a time. So every month I would release a song. And the, the cool, cool thing about that is, is that you're not rushed. Like, okay, it's uh, May. I got to make a song. Let's get it out. And there it is. There's the single on Spotify. And then at the right. end of the year, you can put it all together and you have an album. But the problem with that is that they all sound different because you are in different places in each month. Just like you're talking about in each year, we're in a different place mentally. That's right. exactly the same thing in d- down to the month. So, right. uh, I wanted to make something that flowed a little bit better and sounded complete as one album. And that's why I took the time and I tried to take pieces like of the effects from the other songs and add it to the, um, the other songs while I was mixing and have it sound like it flowed a little bit better. And I think I accomplished that pretty okay much better than the 2018 album that i did uh for sure so everybody will have to let me know tomorrow whether or not they they're kind of getting a sense of complete album on it because that's that's what i was going for i feel like it's not done enough anymore because it's all tiktok 15 seconds we need the single um and then the rest of the album is just to you know satisfy the contract with the record label so uh that's yeah. what i wanted to do i wanted to make a complete album that could be listened to from start to finish love that i used to do a lot of uh like albums that would be continuous play i used to do that a lot with some of my earlier records that was it's oh. really fun to do that it's really fun that's hard i did that with yeah. an ep and it was hard on an ep 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, it's fun though, man, to like plant that little piece, all those crossfades of stuff happening to like bring it into the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's fun because like I was so influenced from my, my dad, he, uh, he's always driven Jeep Wranglers, except now I finally, I finally pushed him into getting a truck. That's my fault, but he just drove Jeep Wranglers. And he'd always play old rock when he drove me around in these things at the top down. And he was huge in Pink Floyd. And so he brought me out to, to concerts. Like Pink Floyd was gone before my time to actually be able to see Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd. But I went to see like Roger Waters, Gilmore, and uh, a lot of like the, the bands like that. And like they were always creating albums that were like, it felt like one thing that was happening. We even had Scott Page from Pink Floyd saxophonist on this podcast. So like I'm, wow. I'm in on it, man. Oh, dude. Cool. Awesome. He's doing like experience bubbles in, in LA, obviously before COVID, but like he's, he was super cool, but I'm, I'm in on uh, creating an album that, that is like that because you're right. Modern day. It's all about like singles, frequency, creating it quickly, getting it out there. But maybe it's just me being old school. I love something that I can listen to through and through and try to understand like, okay, each of these has a story and a thing that's happening, but like, what does this mean all together? And what is this person trying to say about it? Love it. I love that. Mm-hmm. There's something I, like I said, maybe it's me being old fashioned, but I love albums and EPs. I still just like that concept when people put together something, it's a whole story like that. I love it. So yeah, me too. One of my favorite albums of all time is Jethro Tull's Thick as a Brick. And you know, that's, from start to finish, basically one song. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. so, it's so crazy when a band or a person can pull that off, uh, and do it well. It's, it's very difficult to actually try to do it though. And I'm not saying that this album life is for taking chances anywhere close to thick as a brick or anything like that, but it, it sounds more complete than I feel like a lot of modern albums do. Fair. I bet you it does. I'm going to listen tomorrow. These people are going to listen tomorrow. You guys are cool. All right. I've got uh, five questions I ask everyone. And reason being is because on episode 100 of this show, I kind of took a bunch of them and like pushed them together to see like what's the consensus from a bunch of creatives. I'll do that again for like episode 200 when I get there. And just like, what are we thinking about some of these questions? They like matter to me. So the first question I've got to ask you, Jeremiah, is why do you wake up and do these things every single day versus any other thing that you could possibly do on this planet? There's like, you can literally do anything. Why do you do what you do every single day? I love it. I love telling stories. I love entertaining. I love being a part of a community uh, with the Cowboy Boot community. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. It's just pure love and uh, gratitude that that people want to uh you know, people want to communicate with me and listen to my music and consume my content. Like I'm, I'm pumped every single day about it. Sometimes I feel a little bit, uh, a little bit discouraged because I want to make sure that I'm releasing the best stuff possible for them. But it's, uh, it's often, uh, just in my mind, like my standards are ridiculous. And I feel like people, people, uh, are like, just relax, man. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Like what you're making is even more than what we would expect for free anyways. So I'm the uh, same way. (laughs) I told dude, I totally get it. There's some late nights, like you're doing way more YouTube content than me, but 
for even like this YouTube channel, even though I'm bi-weekly to put out one video, it's just that on top of the other stuff. There's some nights where, or for the podcast, I do it too. To get things out like on time or like keep the content going or like get the best interview or like the best content, like make sure you're covering stuff. Sometimes I've been like working 12 hours and then traveling on a plane for like eight and I'm like walking around with like AirPods recording something or I'm like doing something. And I'm just like dying and burnt. But it's like, I don't want to waste people's time, man. I don't yep. want to like do something that is a creation from me that's supposed to offer something, even if it's just entertainment. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not above like just entertainment past educational. I love both of that. I just want people to get what they want out of it. And uh, there's a lot of pressure I put on myself of like that content where like, I don't want to waste people's time. There's so many yep. pieces of content out there that people can hit up and, and I want to be the right thing for them. So I, I absolutely get where you're at with feeling that. And I think people are more chill about it where they're like, dude, I just, I'm enjoying this stuff so far. It seems like you've been good. I don't know what the right. problem is, but then you're sitting right. there and it's like, 2am or something you're like oh my god i have to get this like one thing and it's just like maybe that's yep. what makes it what they want man you yep. know what i mean that extra effort probably does make it good so i hope so i mean right now i i'm on my wife's laptop because my other laptop was exporting the video that was already supposed to be out before we even started talking so after oh, this no. i gotta upload that video and then get it get it done because uh i had to switch a whole bunch of things around because if i tried to talk to you while that was exporting it would be a complete mess it'd be glitchy no as hell so yeah. I, i'm doing it right now <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a madman all right so next question would be Along the way, like say you could take the lesson that you learned from this thing and like give it to someone, like they instantly got it. What would be like your biggest mistake along the way? Like even if you learned a good lesson to it, you're like, if I could just give you this lesson without dealing with this, that thing really, really sucks. Don't do that thing. Biggest mistake along the way or biggest thing that you'd, you'd tell people out there that are creatives or going after what they want to not do. Don't put as much... Uh, I would say not to put as much weight in touring all of the time. I mean, when, mm. when I started, when I started, you know, trying to get my band going, trying to, trying to do my thing is like everybody would always tell you that you have to play as many shows as possible and tour as much as possible in order to make it. That's not, it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. People, I've talked to people who have played every single day at different bars, like they have their rotations and that's still where they're at and they, and they're miserable. It doesn't work. Uh, I don't regret not for a second doing that. I don't regret going on tours. I love going on tour. I can't wait yes. to do it again. Oh my but God. I don't think that people should put as much weight into it, uh, without having something else too. There's, there should be something else that you do that you, that, that gets you out there more than just touring. It's touring is not the end all be all. And that's, that's probably the, the go-to that I would say for that answer. I can second that. that. I didn't tour as much as I don't think I toured as much as you did, but uh, first of all, also don't regret it. Like some of those experiences were just like, it was the most fun, dude. It was right? so ridiculously fun to like wake up in a new city each day, meet new people you've never met and like get into it and play your music and stuff. And then people were like in 
amazing. It gives you so much confidence Incredible. in the human race, right? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like, dude. Actually, we want to talk about uh, upstate New York. I was in like Albany or something, and uh, I played a show. And after the show, people met up with us in the crowd and like hosted us because we were we were total bootstrapping it. We were like five dudes in a sweaty, gross, disgusting van, chilling. Yeah. You know, and these people offered us to stay at their place. We slept over. Their mom came down and like gave us bagels or something. And I was like, this is amazing. These are people I just met. And that stuff happens everywhere on tour. Every mm-hmm. single place, there'd be people that want to like hang out, hook you up with some stuff just for like not to try to do anything. They're just trying to like help you out because you know you're five sweaty dudes in a van. And you're just like, damn, man, people are so cool. Like they're so, so good. Cool. That you happens know? all over the nation. So. <laughs> Flip side to what you just said, what you made, you made a very good point of like what you, you wouldn't do again was basically like, I would, I don't regret touring, but I wouldn't just tour. There's other things that you have to have. That's a really good point to have. Mm -hmm. Flip side of it. What is the best idea you've ever came up with? You're like, damn, do this. Like, this was awesome. I'm so happy I did this thing. Make cowboy boot content. Okay. That's it. Like, uh, it, it was it opened up a world to me that I didn't know existed and it changed my life forever. Crazy, man. It's funny how like these things that seem simple can be so complex. Like they can mean a lot more than just that one thing. Exactly. And it goes back to what we were saying before is if you have a idea or even a little inkling of an idea to make something just make it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. It could change your life forever. Yeah, you have no idea what type of awesome people are out there because a bunch of the people in this chat are super, super chill. And mm-hmm. uh, they're into some boots, man. So you got to make that boot content and you'll find cool people because you exactly. never know. right? Exactly. Or crochet content or whatever content it is. Like You'll find people who like what you do or who, who like what the same, the same interest. So it's, it's so much fun. I think there's so much opportunity and I wouldn't have thought that we'd be here talking like this when I started, you know, two, three years ago. So that's it. Make cowboy boot content, make content period. hundred percent, man. I mean like this podcast, like I meet, usually I do some solo episodes too, but usually I'm meeting someone new like every week and it's like, I might've run into you down in Boston, the music scene. Like I'm, I'm around sometimes, but like, I might not have, maybe mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met you. And like, now I got a chance to meet you and this is awesome. So throw it out there, see what happens. Right. Yep. Exactly. All right. So, uh, what would be a resource that you'd recommend to the audience? Could be a book, could be a website, you know, movie, you know, a- anything out there, podcast, YouTube video, whatever. What's like a resource that you'd recommend to people out there? Could be a couple doesn't have to be a specific piece. I know you do a lot of things. Sure. For the content creators out there, I would say to look at the website, answerthepublic.com. That's something that I use all the time and it helps me figure out what videos to make. So if you go to answerthepublic.com, it's a very valuable website. They'll only give you three searches a day, but you can search whatever keyword you want, and then it will tell you what the questions are that people have about that keyword. Really? So, yep. And and it'll it's like for cowboy boots, I'll go there and I'll type cowboy boots and I'll download all the questions because it will allow you to do that. And then 
I'd make videos basically that answer those questions. So some people might have found me through a video that was like, can cowboy boots shrink? I, I didn't come up with that idea. People already were asking the question online and that website told me, so I made the video. So it, it, it takes a lot of pressure off trying to think about what kind of content you're going to make. That's amazing. That's such a cool thing that I haven't heard on the show before. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Answerthepeople.com. Uh, answerthepublic.com. Answerthepublic.com. Cool, man. You only get three searches a day and you can search anything and it will tell you the, the questions that people have. Sometimes you'll get nothing back or very few things. And sometimes they'll give you a ton of stuff and you really don't know where to start with it. Wow. Uh, that's, that's when you know you hit something. And then I would say another thing that has helped me, uh, I guess just in content consumption, I get like everybody else in the world at this point is Gary V. I love Gary V. I love what best. he's doing. He's, he's the best. Awesome. He's awesome. Uh, I think that I don't think that anybody can go wrong watching his stuff if you're into trying to do your own thing, as long as you can get over the fact that he's really passionate and in your face all the time. Super. I tell people all the time, like, I didn't like him at first. He really pissed me off at first. But once you get past it, you see how ridiculously awesome he is and the stuff is. And uh, it's not for everyone. But like, yep. I, I, dude, huge, huge love for him. Absolutely. Yep. Those would probably be my two. That's I think that's all I got. Those are both good. Anyone out there that's listening to this as a podcast, those will be in the show notes below or wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes. So that that way, if you're on a bike or walking a dog or driving or doing something crazy, you don't have to remember that. That's in the show notes. Last question, man. This is probably the easiest for you. Where do people keep up with you? Where do people check out this record? Where do they keep up with all the stuff that you're up to? JeremiahCraig.com. I got a website. I try to keep up with it. Uh, all the links to everywhere else. Uh, if you like Facebook, I'm on Facebook. If you like Twitter, I'm on there. If you like Instagram, I'm on there. TikTok, uh, not so much on Snapchat anymore. Uh, but if you want to see what I got going on on YouTube, you can search Jeremiah Craig on there or even just Cowboy Boots. Even if you don't remember my name, you're just like, hey, who's that kid about Cowboy Boots? Just search Cowboy Boots. Uh, on YouTube, <laughs> you'll find me. Uh, I pretty much have the entire first page of Google. Search Jeremiah Craig on Google. You'll find me there too. But uh, if you really want to just go to the source, jeremiahcraig.com. Wow, man. That's so cool. I own my brand. Let's go. Uh, that was one of my he biggest things. Also, Spotify. I'm on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, you name it, I'm there. So Jeremiah uh, I'm trying, Craig. trying to make sure that I'm everywhere. I don't make it hard for people. People want to find you. They'll find you, right? Yeah. If they do, for sure. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time while you're also like working on your stuff too. And you're trying to get stuff out. Thank you so much for being on the, uh, the waking up from work podcast, Jeremiah. It's been like a total treat. Dave, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time and having me on as a guest. It means so much for you to, to, to share your time with me. I it's, it's awesome. You're of course, the best. man. Of course. Can't do this show. Can't bring uh, great stories without someone uh, saying good stories. So thank you guys on Instagram for people that have been here like the whole time. People have been chatting up. I saw a bunch of your questions. I try to answer the best that I could on the, uh, the chat while I'm listening to Jeremiah, but I'm not the best. So if anything wasn't answered or you just want to chat with me, 
hit me up right on here or wakingupfromwork.com at Dave Wake Up Anywhere. Just hit me up and I'd love to hear what you're up to out there. We just talk about creative stuff and going after your passion. That's what we're about. But thank you guys seriously for your time tonight. Like I know that there's a lot of stuff we talked about it on here that you could be doing. So thank you. And then if uh, if I end up picking up a pair of boots, I, it, it hasn't been my style. You know what I mean? But if I end up picking a pair of boots, I'll, I'll post a picture. I'll tag you up in it, man. And I'll, I'll, I'll let people know that that you inspired me to hit it up. So a lot of people in this chat were like, dude, you got to get a pair of boots. So maybe, maybe dude, we're going boot shopping. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we're going to go boot shopping this summer and it's going <laughs> to be right. a video and people are going to see it. Okay. And, and uh, they're going to be like, oh, I remember when Jeremiah was on his podcast. Let's go. So this yeah, kid. we're yeah, going, I'm, we're going to go. Right. All right, man. You, you, guys heard it. you guys heard it out there. <laughs> you guys heard it out there. It's, it's, uh, it's up. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh lucas said they make all black ones that you know me you already know me pretty well then <laughs> you guys are awesome all right peace guys hit me up if you want to thank you guys for watching <laughs>